0: Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Unlocked, the podcast that inspires you to create a successful, happy and positive life. Hosted by me, Ricky Locke, professional magician and speaker, who's on a mission to understand how can we truly live the best version of ourselves. Welcome to this week's episode, it's great to have you here, and you are about to hear a fantastic conversation that I had with one of my heroes. I know I say that a lot, but this week's guest really is, because many years ago his work inspired me to think about how can we be the best version of ourselves. And he has a great concept called the 4-Minute Rule, and it's a profound idea that will switch on a few light bulbs or two. And it will certainly help you create greater first impressions in life, and hopefully help you to live a better version of yourself. We had such a great conversation and a few giggles together that we've split this episode into two. But I hope you enjoyed the episode, and as always, don't forget, head over to Apple Podcasts or Podchaser and leave a preferably 5-star rating, that'll help out, and then this podcast can be shared to more listeners. But without further ado, enjoy this episode with the wonderful Steve McDermott. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Unlocked. My next guest, over the last 26 years, he has been a broadcaster businessman, author, and is recognized as one of Europe's funniest, most insightful motivational speakers and facilitators. He has won the prestigious European Motivational Speaker of the Year award three times. And Asda describes him as half business guru and half stand up comedian. Welcome to the show, Steve. How are you doing? Hello, Ricky. I'm good. I'm good in these interesting times still that we're in. (laughs) Yes, it is, isn't it? Yeah, quite interesting. And for everyone listening, we're recording this on the 15th of March 2021. Yeah, who would have known 12 months ago, Steve, that we'd be in this position right now? Nobody's the answer. And as you know, because I know you're a big fan of my book, I talk a
1: lot about my book about vision. And I think Mm. the thing that people have all struggled with, yours truly included is nobody knows you know, yeah. I'm sick of that word. It's a cliche, isn't it? Unprecedented. Put <laughs> yes, uh, yeah. nearly a year into this interesting
0: time. Still nobody really knows. Yeah, not even a, a magician and a mind reader could have predicted yes. this. That's that's how um, tough it was. Um, but look, it is a pleasure to have you here, Steve. I'll, I'll explain a little bit more later on, but your, your class is one of my heroes, which is, uh, I'll go into more detail a little bit later on. Uh, and I only discovered you about four or five years ago with two lovely ladies called Bevan Cape. So fans of the podcast will know I have a bingo card, Steve, that I often reference the same people in every single episode and Bev and Kate get a mention. So if anybody's playing oh, bingo right now, you might get a line today. There you go. But it's a pleasure, mate, to have you on here. Thank you for coming on. And tell us who you are. I know we had a really cool intro there, but tell us who you are. Yeah, you well, do.
1: you know, uh, a bit, so this last year I was celebrating 26 years as a motivational speaker, which always tickles me because I'm from Yorkshire, right? And that, <laughs> those two things don't always go together, do they? I think... When I first started, there weren't that many motivational speakers. If you go on LinkedIn or Facebook, everybody's a bloody motivational speaker now, aren't they, right? But back then, somebody from Yorkshire being a motivational speaker its usually somebody rah-rah from America, right? <laughs> it's a long story how I got there, but short version is I was a creative director of an advertising agency. And again, people go, hang on a minute. You went from being creative director. So if you're not sure what, you know, if you've seen the series Mad Men, have you seen that, Ricky? Yeah, yeah. We were like the documentary version of that, really, in the 1980s, <laughs> nice. right? So creative how do you go from that to be a motivational speaker? Well, I got promoted to my level of incompetence. Has that ever happened to you? All oh, right. That's okay. why you're really good at one thing. So you're like an English teacher, and now they go, you head of English. So in my case, I was a copywriter in an ad agency. Now you're creative director, which meant I was now in charge of 40 mad people. And I thought there's probably more to this leadership thing than just making it up. So I went on my first ever self-development course, and I know you're a big fan of self-development and a lot of your podcast talks about that, in 1990. Wow, I was um, one years old. There you go, one years old. 1990, <laughs> first ever time, and so I was in my 30s, right? Uh, first time, and it was um, the the classic Dale Carnegie, how to win friends and influence people, right? And I did that, and Carnegie, have a brilliant model where they go, if you're any good, you do the cost 14 weeks and they go, you want to come out and come back and help out? So we won't pay you, but you got to do the course again from back at room and you have to be a role model. So I got hooked on personal development and I started taking the ideas back to the agency and people loved it, right? And then eventually I thought, you know, I love this so much, I going to start my own company. So I started my own training company. Then I started doing big events and eventually an agent came along to my events, and said, can I be your agent? And went, how does that work? Well, you know, I just get your gigs and you turn up and talk for 45 minutes. <laughs> Which I'm quite good at. All my school reports said Steve needs to realise he won't get very far in life if he keeps talking in class, right? So they didn't have careers advisors. Didn't have like job speaker, right? Um, so, th- so I, I kind of went into speaking and kind of found my purpose really. Uh, and as I said, I've been doing that for 26 years. So last year I was meant to be doing a one man show at Edinburgh Fringe. Are you familiar yeah. with Edinburgh Fringe? Yeah, 26.2, uh, I believe. That's so. 26.2 show because I was also meant to be running the London Marathon, right, last oh, yeah. year. So three of my main goals last year were running the London Marathon. You probably noticed that didn't happen. So instead of running the London Marathon, I ran 105 and a half laps of my local running track on my own. That was interesting. And I used a lot of the stuff I discovered from personal development around beliefs and stuff to do that. I was wanting to be doing a one-man show in Edinburgh throughout August. So instead of doing that, I did the 26.2 show. Cause in case you don't know, a marathon is- uh, 26.2 miles. Correct. Yes. Right. <laughs> and then my book was meant to be coming out last June in all WH Smith's travel outlets, airports and train <laughs> stations. And my publisher went, probably not a good idea, that, right? So it actually came out in January this year, uh, the third edition, which we'll probably uh, dive into, with a brand new, some would say controversial title. So, I know you've got, you're a big fan. You came across the second
0: edition, which is called. Yeah, how to be a complete and utter failure in life, work, and everything 44 and a half steps to lasting underachievement.
1: Yeah, so yes. the new version has 47 and a half steps. So I've added three new steps and updated all the other ones, but it has a brand new title, right? So, it's changed the word failure, how to be a complete, utter failure, to how to be a complete, utter And I'm going to say, duck, <laughs> duck up. Duck up. But yes, we all know yeah. what we mean yeah <laughs> uh, and so my my passion really is uh it's personal development for people with a sense of humor really yeah because i think the americans don't quite get i'm using america as an example don't quite get that brits don't like too much of that rah-rah and you know yeah, yeah just say yeah and all that right <laughs> yeah and yet these you and i know these ideas are profound and can absolutely make help you become the best version of yourself yeah but they need to be delivered in a way that, that's palatable to us and i think particularly and why i changed the title to that more controversial word is i want young people to read this book i mean most people are going to read this book have read it already because it's been around 20 years right a yeah. third edition so i thought what about people who are like 18 to maybe 30. so the ideas we're perhaps going to discuss now some of your listeners might be familiar with that doesn't mean they're still not powerful because it's like you might know them, but are you using them but i think there's a lot of young people have never come across them before like what young person's ever sat back and gone what are some of my limiting beliefs and where did my beliefs come from? It's just not a question that I think young people think about. I mean, I was, again, so when I went on that D- Carnegie course, I only thought, started thinking about my own limiting beliefs when I was in my 30s, mm-hmm. right? And again, I don't know how old you were before you kind of stood back. But So that's my passion, to get these this messages out to to younger people so they
0: can kind of... Um, become the best version of themselves, perhaps a bit earlier than you and I. Yeah, well, I totally agree. And I think one of the things that I've mentioned to some of uh, my peers is I wish I'd learned some of the stuff from these books. I'm a big fan of you, big pan- a big fan of like Paul McGee as well. Yeah. All the content that you guys talk about, I wish that I would have learned that at school. Uh, and as I mentioned before in previous podcasts, I felt like I probably coasted in my life for 15 years working in retail, being, you know, being a national train and then working in these leadership roles just coasted just did what I thought was you know yeah what life was I, I've got little. two responses to that one is
1: I think we all wish that we did things at different times but I also believe that you know uh, when the student's ready the teacher will appear yeah right yeah. and so that you kind of got that's a good belief to have and also yes why is this stuff taught in school and again i this is a massive generalization now but a, vast, a lot of teachers are the po- the poorest learners yeah you know, a lot of teachers, I once got drafted in for the Minister of Education at a big conference. He was ill. So they pulled me in, speaking to 2,000 uh, head teachers. Probably one of the most challenging audiences <laughs> I've ever had because they all sat back with their arms folded, going, I'm not going to listen to this because I'm a head teacher, right? But if only, you know, first lesson on a Monday morning was like learning how to live or learning how to learn, even. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's not going to be taught in schools, I don't think, unless it's a very
0: switched on school. So we'll have to teach it on podcasts instead, won't we? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I can't seem to think how statistics have, like, really improved my life, <laughs> learning statistics no, at school, no. but now I've ever used that, to be Which honest. Which is why well, it's yeah. called, and again, it sounds very American, but it's the term we're all familiar with,
1: personal development. Yeah. So a big part of my message is, and I think it's a really challenging message, especially right now, uh, the, the kind of times we're living through, is taking personal responsibility yeah. is really hard to do. Uh, uh and we'll probably touch on this maybe in this conversation but as an example uh my you know during lockdown it's been great because my grown-up kids two of them have moved back in and out on various occasions so we've had this weird thing after not living with us for years you know <laughs> having to renegotiate that but when they were like uh, younger two of my boys are two years apart so oldest one was doing a-levels and the middle one was doing GCSEs, and they had this thing called study leave. Did you have study leave, Rick? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we didn't, you see. I'm too old for that. We didn't get all that time <laughs> off. And that seemed to comprise of them just lying on the sofa watching Jeremy Kyle when it used to be on, right? So after yeah, about three us, weeks of was. this, I thought I'd better sidle in and go, boys, how do you think you're going to do in your exams, you know, your A-levels and GCSEs? And they both went, crap, We're going to do rubbish, Dad. And I went, why? And I said, because our teachers are crap. Right now, and that may well—the reality may well be—that their teachers aren't very good, but unless they take personal responsibility for their own results or an outcomes, you know, we've dealt some—we've dealt some cards. It's how you're going to play them. And yeah. I think it's really hard because at the minute we're all blaming circumstances. Yeah, we're all yeah. going. If it weren't for this, I could do that. But the fact is, circumstances aren't going to change. You have to change your own circumstances by just learning Zoom or whatever it is to find a way, you know, because I don't my speaking engagements you've had in the last 12 months live. None.
0: Let <laughs> um, right? me so, think, yeah, none, none,
1: yeah. <laughs> so personal responsibility is a big message, but it's a hard one for people to take because it's a lot easier to go, I'll blame the government, I'll blame the environment, I'll blame other yeah. stuff, right? But what I wanted to share, we had a chat, didn't we, before, we did give this some thought in advance, listeners.
0: Yeah. Uh, and
1: um, <laughs> And I know you're a massive fan of this, and I thought we'd share with them um, mm-hmm. but my, probably my most favorite idea in the book. And the reason yeah. it's my most favorite idea is it's one I talk about a lot on stage. Uh, and it's, it's the most powerful idea I perhaps know. And how I know it's the most powerful is it's the one I get the most feedback on. And somebody uses that line don't the feedback of champions i still don't know what that yeah, means really. yeah feedbacks and feedback. breakfast of champions or something yeah breakfast. Yeah. Of, i don't know anyway <laughs> what make of it, but feedback is useful in it? it this works now again my old thing is as well because i'm from yorkshire is is it practical does it work that's all i'm interested in right yeah now i know this works because yeah, i don't know if you had this we live a, lead a strange life because back in the old you know Pre whatever times, you stood in a, a train station or in an airport, and a complete stranger comes up to you and goes, "Dave, hello." And you go, <laughs> oh, "No idea." Yeah. You spoke at this conference five years ago, and I was in audience. You know that thing. <laughs> the four minute rule, I've been using that ever since. It's really powerful because I get that a lot. So I thought that would be a good place to, to start really yeah. uh, in terms of giving people practical stuff,
0: the four minute rule. I, I get that Steve in Tesco's from gigs that I've performed at like weddings or events. And I'm yeah, in my, I, yeah, I'm in my, my yeah. pajamas in Tesco's and they go, oh, it's, it's the magician. I'm like, hello. Yeah, it's not <laughs> like i a strange form of memory <laughs> yes. loss, is it like, I've no idea who you yeah. are. You're
1: gonna have to tell me So you just have to fess yeah. up, don't you? <laughs> So yeah, so let's just so so if you've got nothing, if you take nothing else away from this podcast, this is so powerful. I guarantee it will change every relationship you have, whether that's your personal relationships with your your partner, your kids, your, your friends, or professionally, like at work, if you're a leader or a team leader or none of those roles, right? So so what is the four minute rule? Is what, we would, what I would say. Uh, well, the four minute rule is based on the science of you only have four minutes and then it's game over. What do I mean by that? Well, uh, cliches often become cliches because of the truth, don't they? So you never get a, a, a second chance to make a- first impression. First impression. We yeah. all say that because it's true, right? Yeah. <laughs> In fact, you've got up to four minutes, then it's game over. In fact, more accurately, you've got between seven and 17 seconds. And I think we all know that at a gut level, don't we? Right? Yes, yeah. So if I was to give you an example of that, getting it wrong, it's like you're checking into a hotel. So most people listening to this have probably checked into a hotel at some point. And getting it wrong is you turn up and there's and you've had a really long journey, it's late at night and you just want to get to your room and there's nobody behind reception to check you in. Right? And then it's like, ow, that's just poor. Or yeah. uh, there is somebody behind reception, but they don't acknowledge you. There's like a big long queue and they don't even acknowledge that they've seen you, right? Uh, yeah. So that's getting it wrong. And you'll know, if, even if, the rest of, say, you're going on holiday and you're checking, you have that terrible ow, it hurt, experiencing it first four minutes. Even if you stay there for two weeks and and rest of time, it's great. The bit you remember, the bit you focus on, perhaps critically from a customer point of view, the bit you tell your mates about is first four minutes, right? Yeah. And, I, and it's about expectation. I think there's three things you can do to people. If you think about this from a customer experience point of view, and it's also with, you, with your family as well, you can ow them. Now, I'd spell that O-W-W, let's say ow. So I've just giving you an example yeah. of that, Ricky, right? It's like, turned up, nobody checked me in, ow, right? You can you can how them, H-O-W, which is, well, I expected to be like that. It's a five-star hotel. I expected the guys to come and get me bags and all that, you know? And you can, and with all of this, you can wow them. Um, so me and my uh, colleague Curly, we're doing a workshop in London and, we, and I don't know if people listen to you stay in London, we, we expensive hotels, we just bought this hotel because it was convenient to where we wanted to be and it was the Thistle Barbican, now anybody listening to this, if anybody stayed into a Thistle hotel, you'll have some expectations What you already, it's, a, it's Thistle, so we're not expecting you a know, five star luxury but equally it's going to be okay, so I don't know if you think, what's the busiest time to check
0: into a hotel? I don't know. It's kind of like rush hour, isn't it? After, uh, during rush hour, people rushing from... Yeah, so about 6 o'clock. So I think it's about 6.30, something like that.
1: Massive long queue, right? And me and my colleague Curly are waiting there. And this has never happened to me before in in a hotel. A waiter comes down this long line of business people with a a silver tray with these big glasses of red and white wine. And he says to me and Curly, would you like a glass of wine? And of course, being from Yorkshire, I went... Why is it free? <laughs> and <he> went, yeah. <laughs> yes. And then I thought, because I'm interested in all this, because why? You, I said to him, why are you giving it to me then? And he said, oh, just to make your short weight a little bit more pleasant. Now that's a great example of a wow, isn't it? Like it was so yeah. such a wow that you ended up talking to complete strangers in the same queue, going, wow, this is great, isn't it? Get to yeah, get to yeah. check in. There's a guy checking in, and he says, oh, see here, we've got some of our executive rooms are free. You can upgrade for just like. 20 quid, it was like you're all right. Not that that's why they did it. So that's brilliant, isn't it? That's a great example yeah, yeah. of wine really people. Good. But here's the thing. When I talk about uh, the four-minute rule, you've got to be consistent. You can't, like, have the four-minute rule on a Monday morning and not a Friday afternoon. So I don't know, but six weeks later, I thought, ah, Thistle Barbican, check in, same time of night, 6.30, big long queue, Ricky, what are me and Curly expecting? You're gonna be expecting some big glasses of red and white wine. Yeah. Were they any? <laughs> oh no. No. So they've gone from wowiness to owing us. Yeah. So the point with the four-minute rule, it's a rule which is you have to follow the rule all the time, right? Yeah. So it's about managing expectations. So a good takeaway for this will be to look at your processes, whatever you want to call that, especially when you first engage with people and go, where in our business or where in our relationships are we owing people already? Like we're just not answering phone or whatever it is, ow. Where is it how they would expect it to be, right? And how can we raise it, and where can we wow them, but on a consistent basis, like once we do it. And the challenge of course is, what does a wow become over time? Yeah. A how. Yeah. So you have to constantly be up in your game, right? But let's turn it on its head and, and think about, in a personal sense, so, Just to back up with a bit more research, this 7 to 17 seconds. So back in the day, there was a really uh, well-known, very enthusiastic presenter uh, called uh, Professor Robert Winston. I don't know if you remember this guy. I I think I remember. He had, yeah,
0: yeah. I was just going to say his big moustache, yeah. Did he have glasses as well?
1: I think he's he's best known for being one of the pioneers of test tube babies and things, right? But he used to do a lot of documentary science uh, programmes on the BBC. And he once did this experiment about first impressions, really. And he got... But six or seven guys, dressed them in black, got 12 members of the public at random to form this pretend jury, and then just literally wheeled these guys in one at a time, and, then, and didn't say anything. The jury just had to decide who they thought was guilty and who was innocent, which really supports this first impression bit. And the conclusion was, within seconds, the jury decided that people with um, symmetrical faces... In other words, reasonably attractive people were innocent, <laughs> and people with asymmetrical faces—in other words, ugly people—and you all know who you are, don't you? Right, <laughs> were felt to be more guilty. Now you might go, "Not fair!" Just true, right? Mm. So we know people make a judgment. You know, if you—I know you're, you're going to be doing a a, a great uh, webinar on how to be good on camera right mm. uh, when people can see you people make it if you're doing a presentation people are judging you before you open your big fat mouth yeah, so how you true. walk out onto stage is critical part of in those first few seconds yeah. so let's just focus now uh, so we can see how we can use it in business how how wow what about in your personal life so i thought is this so powerful So, years ago and i'm talking 20 odd years ago when those kids that were doing their a-levels and gcscs were little you know so my kids i've got three so they're all two years apart so tom finley and megan so they probably would like i don't know six four and two and i'm out on road all the time planes trains automobiles you know i might have been overnight and understanding the power of the four minute rule you know because normally what i was doing is getting dark. kids would up, dad you know it's like ah and and he's tempting right at that minute to go kids can you just let me get in the house take my jacket off put my briefcase down but yeah. understanding the power of the four minute rule, I had to train myself and I think it is a case of training yourself. So again, if you listen to this, get a sticky note, put it somewhere, you know. I know we're not much doing much travelling at the minute, but if you were when we do get back to travelling, or if you are fortunate enough not to be working from home, or maybe if you are working from home in a space, put the sticky note on back at the door of your make make made up office or whatever it is, wherever you work in your bedroom, your kitchen, right? And just write on it, remember the four-minute rule, and the way to change um, your whole kind of world is to ask yourself a better question, I think. So when you're just moments away from meeting somebody for the first time, so that might be going for a, a job interview, for example. Or in this case, we're talking about the kids. So I changed it, I just put a sticking on the dashboard of my car, right, and it just said, remember, four-minute rule. And then a great way to change your state or how you're feeling is to ask a better question. So the question I trained myself to ask was this. And obviously, I'm not suggesting you can adapt this question for any environment. I would never suggest that. right? <laughs> um, how, this is the question, how would the best dad in the world act when he walked in that door? And that's how I acted, right? Now, here's the really good news. You only have to keep it up for four minutes, right? <laughs> yes. Because that's the bit that makes the biggest impact. But even better news is when you get in a resourceful state, when you find yourself rolling about on carpet, I mean, I laugh with your little kids, it becomes a virtuous uh, cycle, right? Yeah. And you just do it and it just becomes natural. So because I train myself to do that, to think about in the early days, I like to think now on an unconscious level, I'm really sensitive to those first four-minute interactions all the time. leaders listening to this or people lead teams, I would suggest how you open the Zoom meeting is how the meeting ends, right? How you, when we are fortunate enough to go into an office, how you walk into the office is how your team walk out last thing at night, you know? And again, perhaps before you've opened your mouth. I mean, for example, uh, let's say I'd said to you before we started doing this podcast, Ricky, I'm sorry, but I'm expecting this really important phone call from a potential client, right? So I've got to take it, we'll have to pause, and put it on pause right pause the recording and then phone went and i I've just go check this out there right outside my <laughs> home office right uh, when i came back before my mouth would you know if it had been good news or bad news of course yeah you'd read it on your face yeah exactly so your physiology we all know you've probably talked about this in the past 55 percent reckon don't they is of your communication is yeah. non-verbal well that ties in with four minute rule as well right yeah um and the final word on that i mean it's just powerful I, I again at a train station guy comes up to me hi steve not a clue are you i'm a lawyer <laughs> i'm a lawyer i was in your audience like four years ago and you were talking about the four minute rule and i thought oh he said my kids have grown up and left but he said i realized said, i've been married like 25 years and i realized I was sort of not working the four minutes. He so i got to the habit i get up early going to the city to work get back late so i don't see my wife all day you know she's still in bed when i get up to go to work and the first thing i do normally it's just a habit is i go to the kitchen to the letter rack and i go through all the utility bills can you imagine what sort of state that put him in ricky right
0: yeah not a very good one i don't think yeah and then he
1: then i go have a chat with wife He thought i'm going to stop doing that what i'm going to do is make sure first thing i do when i get home is go spend at least four minutes with her but i'm not going to tell her what i'm up to right so he started doing that. And after about three, four days, and this was great, you know, after about three, four days, she went, go on then, what are you up to? What's, <laughs> yeah, what's going on here, it. right? And he explained it to me, she said, well, actually, it's great. I think the other thing I would say to this is, is what's changed since I first started talking about the four-minute rule is the distraction of mobile devices. Yeah. We were watching, when I say we were watching the film last night, and we've all worked our way through Box City, haven't we, right? Yeah. We might make some recommendations. So... My middle son's in our bubble, so me, and my wife, and my son Finley we're wa- we're watching uh, um Pet Cemetery. we were watching. I won't it. Oh, oh, no way! I watched that um uh,
0: last night. Yeah. Yeah. Yesterday. Well, we were last night as well. Yes, David King, good film. Mental. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, that cat. Well, I'm a bit put that, off by my cat now. I'm bit yeah, I'm worried no about looks looks like like that, that. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, that's <laughs> by the way. <laughs> if you
1: haven't seen it, this makes no sense at yeah. all. Pet Cemetery. <laughs> the point is, at any moment in time, one or all three of us were on a mobile phone. But that's how people yeah. do it, right? So another strong suggestion I would make to people is, uh, when my kids were little, we used to, you know, having a, having a meal together was sacrosanct with no devices. Now, I know, how, I know parents with teenagers, that's, that's really challenging. But the power of going, do you know what? Just say it's just for four minutes. It's literally just for four minutes. You know, put your phone in another room, put your iPad, whatever thing you've got. Your, your Android. In another room, it's just for four minutes, and can if you like make them do it, uh, yeah. and ask them some good questions. And I think that's another way of using the four minute rule in, in the technological world we live in to create better relationships. Because because what if right you were to like um, use the four minute rule all the time at work? What if you were to use it all the time at home? What if mm. you were just to just use it all the time? What would that do to the quality of all the
0: relationships you have? Yeah. Hey, it's Ricky, and I'm just pausing the episode just to remind you that if you do love this episode, then head over to Apple Podcasts or Podchaser and leave us a quick little review. Even if you don't want to write anything, you can just click the five stars, leave a rating, and it helps this podcast get shared to more people around the world. Now, I know that you're a really nice person and you're listening to this episode, so thank you. So let me know what you think. I would love to hear your thoughts. Keep on being awesome, and let's go back to the episode. Goodbye. Well, I, I can actually say, Steve, that um, it actually changed my life when I first read it, and I actually took a post-it note and stuck it in my car because during the time I was a national trainer for Argos and Sainsbury's, so similar role, I was going all the way around the country, three nights, four nights away. I'd be getting home, and I'd have like four or five bags to unload, and it'd be like, "Keep the cat out of the way! Come on, get out of the way!" You know, <laughs> trying to get in, pissing down a rain, that kind of thing. And I, I had that post-it note that said, "Check your state," yeah. and I was like, "Right, I'm going to leave everything in the car." And I learned to say, "Right," for that first four minutes. I'm going to leave everything in the car. I'll then walk in and I'll say hello, have a cup of tea, stroke my cat, he's happy to see me. And also when I think about it, when I used to be a store manager, I know store managers that used to do this in Argos where they'd be driving home, they'd be on the driveway. And then you'd see, they'd have a really important call. They're just messaging. And you can see the kids waiting for the window. Like, Hey dad, 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 you know, dad's here. You know, like, yeah, in a, minute, in a minute, hang on. And you can see him you think, what is that kid going to think about? Like, oh, my dad's my dad's home. I want to see him, but he's he's sitting in the car. What's he doing in the car? You know, and I use that method to just change everything as well with first impressions. I talk about this idea of creating a magical customer experience. So I one of the things I was going to unpack there, because I love the four-minute rule, Steve, is when I think about plumbers and some, <laughs> no offense to small business owners, because I do have a small business anyway, but um, when I ring, like, say, local plumbers, that they're, they're not probably the professional ones. But you ring the mobile that's on their website and then they go, hello. Oh, hello. Is this Paul? Yeah. "Uh, Paul from the plumber. Oh, yeah. Hi. Hi. You think, hang on a minute. (laughs) My first impression there is, hang on a minute. This ain't right, is it? Is this the real guy? Whereas me, I always get it where anybody rings me. I go, good morning, Ricky Locke speaking. How can I help? And then when they go oh hello ricky lock uh, have you got life insurance? you know they hang up but it's that whole first impression isn't it that you yeah. don't get a second chance and also impression. i think the other thing is
1: is um that it, it you have to put as a culture so you just talked about all the money everybody has to do it right so yeah uh, another great example so i'm doing i'm doing a thing for a client of mine Headingley. and if you don't know it late so there's the mighty lee's rhinos and there's headingly cricket right and they share the same ground there's going to be a Rhinos match on, a rugby league match on. It's on a Friday, that Friday night. But they booked a training suite in one of in, in the Len Hutton suite, I think it was a famous Yorkshire cricketer, during the afternoon, right? We're going to do it there. And my client's also got a box at the rugby. So he says, so what's going to happen? It's great, Steve, because you're a big rugby fan. I said, I'm a season ticket holder there, but I'll come to your box, whatever. He says, so we'll do the training in the afternoon at the cricket ground. Then we'll just walk over for a rugby match, you know, and dinner and all that. And I said, well, where do I park? Because I know it's difficult on match day. So I oh, will send you an email, parking car park, see? So I turn up at two o'clock of the Friday afternoon, and you know somebody who's given a high visibility jacket, right? So I'm my car, yeah. and I see this guy running towards my car. <laughs> right? I know what he's going to say. So yeah. I white window down. Before I can see what oh, he goes, you can't park there. <laughs> yes. Not a yeah. lot of Teddy late. Yeah. You can't yeah. park there. And I'm thinking, well, I could be the new sign-in. I could be the new chief executive, yeah. Liz, you know, Lee's Rhinos. I could be anybody. I, could, I literally could be anybody. He yeah. said, you can't park there. And I went, hang on a minute. I've got an email here. And he went, well, I'm telling you, it's the match tonight. And you're not allowed to park there because this it's a foot match, car park, right? So let's get this email get an email show it to him and it says on the email parking car park C, right here yeah. he said look it says here I said, i'm doing the training thing in Hutton bar whatever that's over there i'm not quite sure it's over this so way well they shouldn't have told you that i said but they have told me that <laughs> yes, anyway yeah. mickey made me move my car so i had to carry out. you've done training right so i've got all my props yeah. and all my you know flip chart paper and stuff i'm trying to so carry it around but what a difference i'm looking for this Len Hutton suite and i'm stood there with all this stuff and there's a guy walking past in uh, overalls, covered in paint with a tin of paint. And he stops, clearly he's off to do some of the job. He stops, he says, are you lost? Can I help you? And I went, so back yeah. to the first impression thing. And I went, well, I'm looking for a little and I said, I'll tell you what, I'll show you where it is. Do you want me to carry any of your stuff? Right, okay. So put me puts his tin of paint down, get to the end it's on the second floor. We'll go up in lift, go up in lift, goes to open. Oh, it's locked. Just wait here, I'll go get the key. So here's the question person a i visibility jacket man What's he been trained in and what does he understand and how do you get those two behaviors so i think the only thing this ties in with is how important it is to the organization yeah right. so how you show you probably had this how you show up as a guest somewhere you know i've had so many different experiences where you turn up again back in the old days when you go to somebody's office and it's either you turn up there's a big long line and they go can you fill in your thing for your badge? And, and I don't know about you, when people are watching me fill it in, I get all cack-handed and I can't even spell my old yeah. name. Every stood behind you should should be Andy going, come on, crack on, what are you doing? Yeah. There's yeah. that, ain't there? Or oh, worse still, they don't even know you're coming, right? Yeah. So yeah. either you fill it in or you have the expressway, they turn up and you go, oh, I'm Steve McDermott. Or even before that, you turn up and it says, this car parking space reserved for Steve McDermott. You think, fantastic. You walk in and they go, you must be Steve McDermott. We asked you what sort of coffee you liked in advance, here it is. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just yeah. that instant already. As a, have got a couple of
0: stories then to yeah, share then, Steve, on that. Sorry to go in there. Yeah, so um, I, I won't say the full name just so I don't get sued here or get in trouble. But we'll just say for everyone listening, if you can think of a budget hotel, uh, I'm going to call it Travel Shed. Okay. There we go. So yeah, for everyone, I know you mean. Um, I did some training in Ipswich a couple of years ago. Really long day, really good session. But as you know, when you're training, you're on full energy, aren't you? And you're trying to engage the audience. So at the end of that, really tired. I got all my bags, like in the four minute rule. Got to the uh, travel shed uh, reception desk. It was okay. It was all right. You know, as, as what I'd expected. Went up to the um, to the room. It was all right, as what I expected. Went forward, wash my hands, put the hot water on. There's no hot water. And I'm thinking. OK, a bit strange. Cold tap's working. No hot water. So I thought, I'll just try the you know the shower anyway. And um, yeah, th- there's no hot water. So I think, OK, look, I'll go down and say, uh, hey, uh, asked the lady at the desk who had just checked in and said, oh, hey, just I've been to my room. It's all OK, but I've got no hot water. And she went, oh, really? Okay. And she said to me this. She said, oh, it might just be the time of the evening. I think a lot of people's probably using it, so the pressure's gone off. And I thought, hmm, that's, that sounds like bullshit. But anyway, okay, I said, that's fine. Um, but don't worry. I, I just need it for tomorrow when I have a shower. Is that all right if you can get fixed. Yeah, of course, no problem. Anyway, I had my uh, my microwave um, pizza <laughs> for nice. dinner at the restaurant. And then I went up back to my room. And then, uh, Steve, guess what? Next morning, guess what? Cold water. No yeah. water. No hot water. <laughs> Nothing out that tap at all. So I went back down and I said, oh, oh yeah. A different lady this time said, oh, I'm really sorry. Um, last, I'm apologising for that, yeah, because, yeah, that because I'm British. Yeah, uh, I'm really sorry, but there's no hot water. Um, but I did complain last night, but it's not been fixed. And this is what she said to me. She said, oh, hang on a second. Oh, it's working down here. I went, oh, right, OK. I'll just take my clothes off, shall I? I'll jump over the desk and just have a shower there. And she went, um, oh, right, um, you've turned the hot tap on. And, and I went. Uh, yeah, 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 I have. Okay. And she went, oh, and have you turned the, um, the, the pressure from cold to hot in the shower? Yeah, 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 I have. Oh, right. Well, I better come up then. I went, yeah, yeah, you better have. So we got in the lift and it's an awkward conversation to lift anyway, isn't it? Because people yeah. don't talk to each other. She goes into my room, goes to the hot tap and goes, oh, there's no hot water. And I went, yeah, I know. It's a bloody miracle, isn't it? What's going on? Now, here's the weirdest thing, right? So I asked, you know, so she said, look, no worries. We'll sort that out. She gave me another room. Yeah. so some people say that's really good service to me i think it's a basic requirement you get hot water right but anyway here's the weirdest thing so when i then left i handed the key in and she said to me thanks for staying. see you later bye-bye yeah and i thought what now here's the weirdest thing that first impression was broken uh yeah it was overnight but the four minutes was gone but now that's the experience that i always remember so when someone says to me let's go away ricky shall we stay in a travel shed no it's the worst experience possible Now, even though I don't know that the rest of the travel lodges are probably brilliant, that one experience has tarnished that reputation. So, absolutely.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing. So, this is why I'm saying so a bit like my story at Headingley, you know, the the high visibility guy and the other guy. uh, And it's just, I'll give you a final example. So, we used to do massive um, uh, events at the Royal Armouries here in Leeds Museum, right? A great venue, theatre, whatever. And it's back in the day, one of my party tricks, if you know this, Ricky, I used to teach people how to break a solid piece of wood with a karate punch in than like oh, really? four wow. minutes, right? It's one of my party tricks, right? Which meant I'd have to turn up at the Royal Armouries with a big four-by-four four with, like, 300 bits of wood in back, right, <laughs> to unload them. And it was always a surprise. We used to surprise the audience. They didn't know we were going to do this, right? And my goal was to tell them at 9 o'clock we were all going to break a bit of wood by first coffee break. Anyway, that's by the way. And they used to have these guys just to at security, right? In, I think they had orange blazers, these guys. And time after time, I parked my car, which you weren't allowed to park right in front, just to unload it. And these guys couldn't wait to rush out and go, Oi, you can't park your car there. And I got lot of no, but we've got a big event in there. And I've got to unload these 300 bits of wood yeah. right and it happened time and time again it's driving me mad so the third time this happened this guy comes rushing up you know incandescent with rage because i'm unloading my car and he goes you can't party car there and i went look can i ask you a question he went what who pays your wages yeah where do you get your wages from and he went like cash point i'm going no no who paid your <laughs> wages and he went what royal armories i went no i have another guess and he went not, royal it's not it's, No." I do six events here every year, right? With a full theatre, right? I paid your wages. So what you should be doing is rather than coming up to me every time I pull up here, and it's usually you saying, You can't park your car there, you should be saying, Can I help you unload your car? And he took a breath and went, Well, you still can't park there. Right? <laughs> so so I think the thing is, you know, you might be the top salesperson in your business. You might get this massive contract. It only needs your delivery guy to turn up and just dump all stuff in reception and go, I'm not going to take it upstairs for you. And yeah. they tear up your contract. So you've got to make it joined up throughout the whole team, the whole organisation. Now, we're all running this four minute rule. Or is it- yeah. Otherwise, you're going to do this owl thing to people all the time. And, you know, yeah. we've all figured out which hotel you, you, you mean there. And that may well be <laughs> yes. true of them. And this is the yeah. thing. Because of social media now, you know, people used to talk about, you know, uh, one unhappy customer tells 20 other people. Well, no, they don't. There's a guy, there's a brilliant, I think it's been around a while now, it's called American Airlines Broke My Guitar. All right. right? YouTube it, right? Here's a guy, he's got, like, this amazing, unique guitar. He's booked a separate seat for it on American Airlines. Because it's so you you know I can't don't want to put it in the hold. Turns up to to check in. We're overbooked. You can't take your guitar on plane. Well, he says I'm not. I, you're not putting it in hold. It's not. It's gonna if we go in. And he well, I've got to be there for this gig. You know, it's flying across America. No, we'll honestly, he said, you, do, you do got to understand this. We will look after your guitar. We understand sir right fine so reluctantly it checks it into uh, into the hold right it said so i'm actually sat on the plane looking out the window and i see the little trolley thing come up you know that bag's on and i see my guitar and i see a guy pick it up and throw it into the hold of the airplane right so i said can you imagine the yeah. I'm in for the whole flight because i've seen him yeah right? what is it so anyway it's busted into a million pieces right so obviously gets onto him and goes, I cannot believe this. You, it's irreplaceable, but you're going to have to pay me whatever. And he gets no response. So he, he, he ramps it up to, and eventually gets to chief executive of American Airlines. You know, you brought me guitar. What are you going to do? Gets no satisfaction. So because he's a musician, what does he do? He makes a music video, writes a new song called American Airlines, broke my guitar, videos <laughs> wow. it. I don't know where he got a plane from. Shot the video, the pop video shot on a plane. Puts it on YouTube. Two million views. Wow! So when you get it wrong like that with the first bit impressions, right? It's not yeah, just twelve yeah. people that know. It, it can be millions. So it's a really powerful yeah. thing in your relationships
0: and in your business. Well, I, I used to, I used to get this. I was, I used to become a bit of a stickler for this. And my team, if they're listening to this, they'll be like, "Oh, Ricky, just shop yeah. about." It. But it used to really grind my gears. So. First impressions key. So after watching your video, it changed everything. And I thought, right, when I walk into. So we did a lot of stuff for supermarkets. I won't say the supermarket. You'd go in and obviously I'd bring all my stuff in. I was really excited. I was supposed to be there. First thing you go to the customer service desk to sign in. And same experience like you said, Like, who are you? What are you supposed to be here? And I remember like I used to do this all the time. I used to carry a whole set of pens in my bag. They don't know. that. But what I used to do, they'd just um, say, hi, uh, my name's Ricky. Love you to see you. I'm from, you know, uh, head office. I- I'm here to do a training workshop today for customer experience training. Oh, great. Okay, brilliant. Just uh, sign in the book. Okay, brilliant. They hand me this book and no pen. <laughs> so I, I stand there and just go like this, you know, um, you know and uh, just went, are, are you all right? I went, yeah, yeah I'm fine. I'm fine. And then she asked me again in a minute, are you right there? I went, yeah, yeah, I'm just, I'm just waiting for a pen. Oh, have you, have you not got one on you? Uh, no, I haven't. No, I did secretly, Steve. That's why my yeah, team yeah. pissed off at me. But that's not the point. The whole point is, hang on, I'm walking into your store. Give me that first impression. Treat me like a customer. You know, you know, explain it. Now, this is what happens. There, there was a clear divide where some parts of the country, for some reason, south, this is where it didn't really happen. I mean, it, didn't, it happened a lot. Up north, so maybe, I don't know if it's Yorkshire or up north, a <laughs> lot more friendly, but everyone was like, oh, great to see you. How are you? Where you come from? Here's a pen. He got yeah, keep that, my love. Keep that. Brilliant. Clear divide in the country. But for me, it was that first impression. What do I then walk away with thinking, that's all crap. I'm never going there again. Now, it might be a really good experience. But anyway, look, I'm going to move on because we'll be talking about this yeah. all day. But I have got one last question about the four-minute rule, Steve. My good friend, Mr. Paul Dams, uh, as I mentioned to you pre-podcast, we've watched the four-minute rule because we used to use it as a reference tool when we used to run our seminars and workshops. And there's something you mentioned in the video, which is there are three things that you do to customers and you talk about OW and WOW, but it was never explained the third. Now I can see from looking on the camera what it is, but the listeners won't know this. So if anybody checks out the link, we will put the link to Steve's video, the four-minute rule in the show notes. But Steve, what is the third thing that you can do to customers? Right, so again, well, it's just in terms of
1: spelling, if you watch the video, so OW, i I'm spelling that. So OW is at. Ah. So that's ow that really was bad. So you've given some examples. The hot water know. example. Hot water yeah. being except, but even the pen could be an owl. You know, if yeah. it was a, if it was like a five star hotel, how? H o d o e s? Well, that's my expectations. That's like kind of like what I would just expect. So if you're dealing with a big brand, for example, you go well, you know, that's the minimum I would expect. And wow wow is when it's like that is amazing so the the free glass of wine right and so the thing to do is go away and look at your what i'd call your process your customer experience process or your relationship with your significant other or your kids and go where am i owing them where is it how i would expect and where can i wow them so thinking back to all the things we've said in this podcast you know if you're sat in the car you've come back and the kids are looking through window and you're not going to say hello to them, you're owing them aren't you as a dad or a mum, right? That'd be an owl right? Because if you rush in, right, and you do something crazy with kids, right, that they're not expecting, you wow them. But remember, the final point would be, what do wows, wow, become over time? They become yeah. hows. And so the challenge for any relationship or any organisation is how can we keep up in the ante? But we have to have a process that follows that we always do that. We always do that's how it always is, right? I mean, as the back in the day one of my big clients, they they, they actually have, you know, a, a role which is manager of first impressions um oh wow a a a a currency firm i worked with they had uh the receptionist wasn't called receptionist i think she was called something like um guardian of first impressions and she had a little black book of all their clients and as i said before she knew what they were called she knew what the kids were called she had all these details uh, and she even knew what the coffee would, they wanted so when they came in she'd go oh ricky here's your name badge how's lisa how's whatever it's still foreign rhinos did quite well last week didn't they here's your coffee with two sugars like really? in first 30 seconds and it's like whoa right yeah. yeah so i don't think it's hard it's just you just need to just become final word would be just become conscious of it so thinking about whenever you listen to this now what you're going to go and do next does it involve ringing somebody up does it go involve going from wherever you are to another room uh, what is it and what are you are going to do to get in the right state to manage the four-minute rule? And I think it starts with, yeah, f- there's the physiology of like, you know, how am I feeling? How am I feeling tired? Well, I need to get out of that. I need to put a big smile on my face. But asking that powerful question, how would the, whatever it is, best dad, mum, partner, manager, leader, customer care person, plumber, act <laughs> yes,
0: in yeah. the world and just act like that? Well, there we go. That was part one of my great interview with Steve McDermott. I hope you enjoyed the four minute rule. I love it. It's absolutely changed my life. And I hope that it inspires you to start thinking about those first impressions that we all create. But don't forget, part two will be on next week's episode of Unlocked. So stay tuned and we take a deep dive into Steve's new book, How to Be a Complete and up. It's a fantastic book and you don't want to miss this episode. And don't forget, head over to Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star rating or on Podchaser and leave us a review as well because it gets this podcast shared out to more people. And thank you for listening. We'll join you next week for part two of Steve McDermott's episode. Goodbye.